Father, this morning we just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you. Thank you, thank you, Father. Everyone here. I pray, Father, your spirit will truly, truly cover us. For your word says, where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. I commit this time into thy hands. Let the liberty of the spirit be experienced by everyone. Young and old. Because you said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And your word is the truth. You said, sanctify them by your truth. And your word is the truth. Sanctify us. Set us free. Set us apart for you. And you alone. That no one goes back the way they came. They go back a little more changed. little more separated unto you. Made stronger in you. Oh Father, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you Lord. Commit ourselves into thy hands. All who are here, all listening online, around the world, different nations listening, everyone, we come to you as one body, one faith. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Last Sunday we had uh, looked at marriage. I think the title was from Shakespeare, to marry or not to marry is the question. And this Sunday we continue where we stopped. The title, Sammy, would be Marriage, Ideal or Idol. There were two subjects when Jesus taught his disciples or the crowds. One was about marriage, the other was about money. When he taught about marriage, the disciples threw up their hands and said, it is, then it is better not to get married. When he taught about money, they said, then who can be saved? <laughs> Two things all the young people are interested in. Marriage and money. What was the disciples' reaction? Better not to get saved. Married. Who can be saved? Don't look so glum. Jesus is the way to get married and to keep your money. We will uh, look at three verses first and then I'll just give you a brief recap of what we looked last Sunday because it's a continuation. Three verses you need to keep in your mind. Okay? Why marriage is such a serious topic for God. And the Lord said it is not good that man should be alone. Who said? God said. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Keep that in your mind. God said he will make a helper comparable to man. First man was Adam. Second, 2.24, the first law of marriage. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. And the most important one, that is what makes marriage important. Ephesians 5, 31, 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's why I said marriage is the most attacked institution on earth because it's more than two people coming and exchanging vows. It is about Christ and his church. What are the first words we read? I shall make a man, I, I shall make somebody comparable. So keep that with this. God is preparing a church comparable to Christ. So whether you want to remain single or whether you are married or want to get married, it does not matter. He's preparing a bride that is comparable to Christ for all eternity. Christ will rule the nations all eternity. He wants a bride who will help him in reigning. That's why the Bible says Christ will reign with the saints. So it does not matter whether you want to be single or you are married. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than the institution as we see on earth. Marriage is much, much bigger than what you think. So whether you want to get married or you're married or you're single, God is preparing us for something. So keep that. Three verses in mind, in context. We also saw that whenever Jesus was asked, especially about marriage, he always said it was not so in the beginning. That's why we say we need to go to the beginning to understand what did marriage, what was the intention or what was God's intent behind marriage. Because if you go to the beginning, that's the way it will be all of eternity. Because our marriage on earth will cease unto death. It will cease and a new marriage begins in heaven, which is eternal. Okay, so we go to the beginning. So let's go to the beginning and we will see those uh, five premises we got from the first statements we have in Genesis 2. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So the first premise we had was, marriage is not man's idea. It is God's. So man cannot change the definition of marriage because it's not your idea. Copyright belongs to God. You cannot tamper with it. It is God's idea. Second is verse 20. There was not found a helper comparable to him. Okay. So it talks about what we call compatibility. Compatibility. That is why you should not enter into marriage suddenly. Pray over it. God make the right moves. Let God bring a person who's compatible to you. It's God said. Adam had the whole of creation before him. All the animals, and I believe the animals could talk, like we see in Narnia, because the snake talked and they were not surprised. And I believe there could be a restoration in the millennial age where the boy will walk with the lion and the, and the snake lead them all. Maybe there could be a restoration to pre-fall where they may not have our kind of senses and brains but there may become something like that. So he looked at all. You see uh, Adam has, there's no woman. There's no woman. There's only one man and all of creation. I mean all of the creatures and probably they all speak and even the snake walked because it's after the curse. It is cursed to go on the belly. So, when you don't have a choice, which you have never seen, Adam could have picked any animal to be his wife. 
Because you have not seen a woman. Okay? After you see a woman, you don't want to marry an animal. That's a different thing. Because you have seen something which is more like you. Which is more like you. So you don't, you have to see where he's coming from. Adam is coming from. God brought all the animals and Adam saw. There was nothing comparable for him. So there is something God puts about in marriage. There has to be compatibility. And that's why he makes this statement, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because it's not compatible. It's not compatible. Verse 21, the Bible says, God uh, caused, uh, Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept. Some men are still sleeping. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place. So what does it say? God formed Eve out of Adam for Adam. The premise is marriage is God's responsibility, not yours. If you are a child of God and you have surrendered your life, you can wait. You can wait. God will bring that person to you. Okay? We are talking about surrender. Okay? Don't panic. Isaac didn't panic. He was 40 years old. He didn't panic. He waited. And God brought the right girl to his life. Verse 22. He brought her to man. Meaning it's God's initiative. If marriage is God's responsibility in verse 21, then it is God's initiative. Initiative. He brought the girl to him. To him. Okay. And verse 24. He establishes the terms of relationship. Man shall leave, cleave, and become one. Okay, it's Psalm 45 which talks about the girl leaving. So we accept in almost every culture. You see, it, in every culture it is accepted that the woman will leave. And the, always the problem in marriage is the man not leaving. The problem is the man not leaving. The girl leaves. It's accepted. The girl leaves. She goes. The men have to leave. So the command is given to the man. Leave. Leave. It's not a joint family. Leave. And I told on Sunday, last Sunday, all these things matter are only to those in whose life lordship is established. Beginning of salvation is the beginning of lordship in our lives. You know the issue in Genesis 3, the fall of man, how the enemy was so subtle is that he took the term Lord God out. And he just mentioned God. And the truth is that yesterday I was telling the pastors too, all those pastors who came, that most of our problems in life is with the Lordship of God. There are two things we need in life. One, established Lordship. Second thing is that it doesn't matter where you are, whether you are a believer in Afghanistan, terrible times, or in US, or in India, the only thing you need in your trouble is to hear from God. Trouble over. You know your solution. And why do people not hear? Because the Lordship is not established. God doesn't waste his words. He won't. He will not speak to somebody who does not accept his Lordship. But if Lordship is established, he immediately speaks. Paul of Star- Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus has this incredible vision of Jesus. Who are you, Lord? Jesus of Nazareth, what do you want me to do? Lord, 
it will be told you go to the city he goes to the city three days of fasting fourth day receives his entire life's program why did he speak to him so early and so fast because in Saul's life in three days the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ was established after that you look at the entire record of apostle Paul there is never a question about lordship and God is able to speak to him so clearly things which we know today for 2000 years and things which no man knows today God speak to both to that man because the lordship was established and you know what you establish lordship he speaks he speaks no problem no problem no problem and that that is the life of god's people elijah standing before the most wicked king stands before the king and looks him in the eye and says until the word of the lord comes from my mouth no dew no rain and immediately he has turned east go to kerith hides in kerith and the king he sent his army his soldiers to every town every city every village nobody can find him god raises the stakes up he says you know what now you get up i'll feed you with ravens he fed him maybe 6 months one year we do not know you go to zarephath right under the nose of jezebel's father who is the king of sidon stay right there and i will take care of you they won't touch you they won't see you they will see you when i want you to see them and after three and a half years he told him go present yourself to ahab and tell him meet me on mount carmel you know why they couldn't touch him because he heard you know why he heard because the lordship was established the pattern has never changed and we think our struggles are with all the other things our struggles are in with anything only two things one is lordship established if lordship established you will hear and once you have heard there is peace there is peace so that is the first question to be settled in life okay so if the first question is settled the lordship of jesus christ is settled he can answer the second question to marry or not to marry and who to marry lordship is not settled then draw lots so we are talking about kingdom marriage here you're talking about kingdom marriage like i said i do not have the right to lower the bar because i didn't set it i didn't set the bar the bar of marriage was set by god no man has the authority to lower it supreme court can rule and legalize same sex marriage in the eyes of god it is still an abomination and always will be an abomination always will be nobody can change because it did not originate with man therefore man cannot change it so keep that in mind so when we are talking about kingdom marriage this is what we saw in isaiah 8 and verse 18 last week this is what god said here am i in that i is the prophet and his wife they are one shall leave shall cleave shall become one they are one so they don't see themselves as two they see themselves as one okay see god will speak only as he sees only as he sees you will you go through the bible almost every place he speaks with a man one of the rare cases is when he speaks to manoah's wife 
He speaks with the man. He doesn't speak to the woman. It's taken for granted. When I've spoken to you, it's spoken to both of you. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Abraham. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Isaac. He spoke to Jacob. That's how he speaks. Because he says, this is how I see. You two are one, not two. So, I'm not going to obey until I also hear God say, it's not going to happen. After he spoke to Mary about the immaculate conception, he never spoke to her again. After that, he only spoke to Joseph. Only spoke to Joseph. He never spoke to her again. Because in this case, Joseph is not involved. It's a supernatural act of God with Mary alone. According to the promise, the virgin shall give birth. He spoke to her. But after she has received it, he speaks to her husband. What to do? Everything to the husband. So, sisters, don't try to change God's order. You will have trouble. But if your husband is an unbelieving man, it was happened. He wants to stay, stay. But God will speak to you. And how you speak to your husband, be very careful how you put it across. Learn from scripture because there is power. There is power. So he says, I and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders. Okay, that's what God expects. A marriage to be a sign and a wonder. Okay, a believer's marriage. So now they have, they have established the premise. And I believe at least some of you are surrendered. We can go from there. Ask God for clear guidance. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. This is David's prayer. Can be anybody's prayer. Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Specific topic today on marriage. All those who are unmarried waiting. Make this your prayer. Lord, show me. Show me your ways. Lord, teach me the path I should take. Lord, lead me in your truth about the spouse you're going to bring. So that when I see, I will know. I will know. I don't have eyes to see correctly. Only you can show me who it is. Teach me, Lord. For you are the God of my salvation. You are the God of my salvation. What does the Bible say the husband is? The savior of his wife. You are the God of my salvation. How can I save somebody which you haven't picked for me? How can I save somebody whom I do not know whom to marry? You are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. If you can wait one day, you can wait one week. If you can wait one week, you can wait one month. If you learn to wait, you can wait for years. Like Isaac, you can wait. You can wait. Isaac's entire life is about waiting. 40 years for a marriage. 20 years for a child. It's a man who learned to wait on the Lord. Never stepped God's boundaries. He learned to wait. So if you look at that man, he never fought a battle. He never fought a battle. His enemies came and made peace with him. Never, never left the promised land. His father went out to Egypt, stayed in Haran, went out to Egypt, came back. His son would go and live in Haran and then go die in Egypt. But Isaac, born in the promised land, lived in the promised land, 
died and buried in the promised land, never steps out. And what you know about his life, he always waited for God to move. Never took a decision on his own. Waited. Okay. And God says, I wait all the day long. Psalm 139, verse 16 and 17. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed to all those who are pro-choice women here. And who believe the fetus in your womb. You call it fetus. God says, my child, you can call whatever you want. It, truth does not change. It is not a fetus. It's a baby. You saw my substance being yet unformed. Just not formed. Limbs were not formed. Eyes were not formed. Organs were not formed. Maybe no heartbeat also could be detected. Because that's a whole bike fight in US. Six weeks. Just a day old. Just a day old. When the, just the, the womb has just been dust of Mary and he's called the Holy One of Israel. Just dust. And in your book, they were all written. What are you saying? Even before my mother knew I was conceived, my entire days were already written in your book. In that volume of your book, where every page of my life is written, isn't there a page which is written who you will marry? Isn't it written? It is written. God says, I have already written it. And when you go outside my will and may marry somebody else, I tear that page and I have to insert another page because you didn't hear my voice. It's written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. There were no days. But already all the days were fashioned. How precious also are your thoughts for me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. He says it's mind boggling. I'm not able to think that every day of my life has already been fashioned. You already had decided everything about me. So what is our job? What is life? Life is discovering. It's not, your life should be a discovery channel. Every day you're discovering the will of God and it is being what was written, you are living it out. That is Jesus' life. That's why the confidence of Jesus on earth. Father, I know you always hear me. But for that sake, I'm just saying this. He knew his days just already. And when he came, his statement was that. In the volume of the book, it is written about me. Behold, I have come to do your will. Not my will. Okay? Therefore, every day was played out. And it's true for every child of God. Every day, it is there. And that's what I said. If you surrender, you don't have to waste your time worrying about almost everything in life. It's already been decided by God. Just discover it. And the things parents and girls and boys worry most about marriage. Already been decided by God. Would you only just discover it? I'm not saying you don't have to fight the fight of faith for it. That's a different battle. Because there's an enemy who opposes all the plans of God for you. And the first thing he uses is the man called Terah, the spirit of delay, spirit of procrastination, the spirit of delay. Remember yesterday's message, Terah means delay. And if you delay, you end up living in 
Haran. And Haran is a dry and a parched place spiritually. You never hear from God. But he prospered. In Haran, he acquired slaves and maid servants and male servants and flocks and herds, everything. But one thing, it is not there in Haran. He never heard from God. So don't look at your prosperity. Don't look at your wealth. Don't look how well you're doing career-wise. It's irrelevant. The question is, are you hearing or not? If you're not hearing, your soul is dry. You're living in Haran, a parched place. And Haran can never be Canaan. And God will not speak you in Haran. Because the spirit of delay has to die. And where our terror dies, he moves, God appears. It's not that Abraham cried out to the Lord and the Lord spoke. No, God appeared to him. Before even he opened his mouth, God appeared to him. And spoke to him and gave him his promises. He builds his first altar and he worships God. There are no altars in Haran. There are only money bags. No altars. No altars. And the Bible says, like I said yesterday, the Bible says, he moved into the promised land with all the wealth he had acquired in Haran. And then famine struck. Do you remember yesterday if you were there? When famine struck, what did he do? He ran to Egypt. Why did he run to Egypt? Because his soul was dry. Because he had wasted his time in Haran. He was so late to enter Canaan. When the problem came, he did not know how to handle it. And so many people, once they become actually come in, start walking by faith, hit with calamity. They don't know what to do because they have wasted their time in Haran preparing themselves to fight this battle. So they run into Egypt and goof up over there. Because that's all they know. Why did they run into Egypt? Because Egypt is like Haran. Another dry place. They sell their integrity. Wife is taken. Living in the Pharaoh's place. You are acquiring more goods now. More goods now. So understand what delay does to us. Lord of people. Lord of people are still delaying. Not that you are not saved, but making those commitments after salvation. Still delaying. And when the day of evil comes, the Bible says, when the day of evil comes, stand. They are not able to stand. Because Abraham was not able to stand. He ran. And he sold out his wife. Okay, Basically means his integrity. He sold his integrity. Took the easy way out. That is the way of the flesh. You know why? Because your soul was dry. So learn all these lessons. Here we have fantastic lessons. Every day has been planned out by God. All my days. They were written. All my days. They all were written. Wow. How many days did I miss in your calendar, Lord? How many days did I miss in your... How many of us have... I told my pastors yesterday, 1988 was the day when God called me. 1994 was when I obeyed. Seven years of waste. All the other years, I don't look like that. These seven years, I believe was the worst period in my life because I wasted those years after I heard the call of God. I had my, I had my dreams, like any one of you. Career, money, marriage, prosperity. And I really made my money. When you are 23 years old, you get a job which gives you in those days 5,000 plus salary with accommodation, quarters. And you made your money. And I came to Hyderabad to study with a bank balance full of money. We always talk. I tell Pastor Vijay, at that time when I went to OIM to buy books, that was a wasteland. I should have bought an acre of land. I could have sold it for 25 crores now. And I had the money to buy. Young man, bachelor, coming to do his PhD, 
lots of money. Because I was the same way then. Never spent money. Saved money. <laughs> but you know what? It was. Because I had my dreams. I had my all this. But you know what God had to do? He had to break me, humble me. Second time he called, I said, here I am. And here I am. <laughs> because the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable. Thank God it's irrevocable. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. Okay. <clears throat> Third thing you need to remember is, we saw the last Sunday. Wait. Don't move either way. In Corinthians 7, Paul says, right? Stay in the state you were called. Wait. If you're single, stay. If you're married, stay. Don't move either way. Hear from God before you move. Don't move until God has given you directions. Because he has said, he will go before us. He will show us the way. He will make our crooked path straight. Waiting is the most... See, when it comes to waiting, we are all like children. Have you taken children on a long trip? Especially by train. After some time, they sound like the wheels of the train. When will we reach? When will we reach? When will we reach? Shut up! (laughs) Right? And we are like, when will I marry? When will I marry? When? Shut up, God says. Lord, why so delayed? Because she is still unformed. I'm getting her ready. You don't want her the way she is now. Wait. Or the other way. You don't want him the way. All the problems many of you are facing is because you married before your time. Unformed spouses. Fourth thing to understand in a marriage. okay? Whether you are single or whether you are married. This fundamental principle matters. Genesis 2 and verse 18. The Lord said it is not good that man should be alone. What does it mean? Fundamental premise of marriage. It is for fellowship. Whether you are single or whether you are married, fellowship is primary. So Elijah cut and ran when Jezebel threatened him. He was suicidal. God woke him up, fed him, woke him up, fed him, walked 40 years to Mount Horeb and got solution. Go down. There's a man called Shaphat. He's got a young son called Elisha. Anoint him. He will be with you. What is your answer for depression? Elisha, Elijah, company, fellowship. You need somebody to mentor, fellowship with. And after that, you don't see him suicidal. Whether you are single or whether you are married, the purpose of creation is fellowship. Is fellowship. So Paul will say, my beloved son Timothy, my beloved son Titus, he couldn't fellowship with Barnabas after some time. Because Barnabas, though he started much early, was a slow runner. While Paul in his spiritual walk doesn't walk, he spiritually runs. After some time he realized, you know what, can't go with this man. He's too slow. I need somebody of my caliber whom to fellowship. An old man, Paul, will look at Timothy. Timothy, you are too slow. Come on, fan, fan, fan. But he had a Timothy, he had a Titus. He had people. And he was single. Elijah had Elisha. 
Paul had his. And when Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them two by two. Two by two. So understand, whether you are single or whether you are married, God's purpose of man's creation is fellowship. Fellowship is important. In marriage, it is very important. That's why God says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. How will you really fellowship with them? How will you fellowship with them? While you are planning to get baptized, your unbelieving spouse is immersing his idol. You are also going into water, I am also going into water. How do you fellowship? How do you reconcile these two things? And when the children are born, how do you reconcile? The child goes to church, the child goes to the temple. How do you reconcile these things? Because it's a question of fellowship. That's why God says over there, what fellowship? What communion? He doesn't say you cannot have children. Of course you can have children. He doesn't say you cannot have a job if you marry an unbeliever. Of course you can. You cannot buy a house. Of course you can. You cannot have a prosperous life. Of course you can. That's not the question. You cannot have fellowship. You cannot have communion. And that was the primary purpose of marriage. You cannot fellowship. You will have to compromise. All the things that excites you or your relationship with God, deaf ears, not interested. Not only is that, after some time becomes hostile. I don't want that in my house. Hostility. So understand that. For young people also who are unmarried, we'll come to that later. When you choose your friends with whom you walk, Birds of the same feather flock together. That's why all your hair look the same. Show me your friends. I'll tell you who you are. It's got to do with fellowship. Not in church. Take me to your office or your school and show me your best friend. I'll tell you exactly who you are. Here everybody is sanctified. If you accept a lower standard than of God, you will miss out on God's best. See, God always has something called the best for you. You can choose something lower. It's up to you. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. If you're willing and obedient, you should be willing and you should be obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Is there somewhere which says best? NIV says the best of the land. The best from the land. If you're willing and obedient in your marriage, waiting and willing and obedient, you will have the best of the land. Honestly, if Isaac hadn't goofed up being a carnivorous animal towards his old age, he wouldn't have messed up his marriage. He had a very peaceful marriage. He had a very lovely marriage. Abraham had trouble in his marriage. Jacob had only trouble in his marriage. Isaac had a very peaceful marriage. He goofed up because his belly started taking over the brains. Otherwise, it would have been a very peaceful, happy marriage. You know why? Because he waited. And when he comes to marriage, if you look into his married life, till the goof of happened, he ate the best of the land. Peaceful, very peaceful. And that he was like his name, laughter. Laughter. Okay. Then we saw the general guidance and the specific guidance. And what was what I told you last Sunday? If you are not willing to listen to the general guidance, 
God is not going to speak to you the specific. What is the general guidance? Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's a simple general guidance. That is, you are not willing to listen to that. Don't go and ask the Lord, which one? Anyone, God says. Precisely, anyone. Okay. So now we go into the specifics today. Romans 1.17 and Romans 14.23. For in it, what is it there? In it, in the gospel, which we received, which saved us. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall, just shall, mark that word, live by faith. If you live by faith, and you are living by faith, you are a young person living by faith, somewhere along that living, you will get married. Can you married? Can you get married not by faith? Your marriage has to be by faith because it's a part of your life. You're called to live by faith. So your marriage has to be by faith. And faith comes from? Hearing. And hearing from the word of God. God will speak to you. God will speak to you. So if you're going to put marriage, which is there, one of those biggest priorities in a person's life to marry or not to marry. And if it is yes to marry, whom to marry. And every even the, go to the next verse, then you will understand. 14.23. He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. God takes the most common, normal thing about life. Eating. Normal. You don't even think twice about eating. How many of you prayed about eating to eat or not? I had breakfast and the Lord told me no lunch for you. Straight away he told me no lunch for you. Did you ask about God? Because God says, when you eat, if you do not eat by faith, you are condemned. It's a simple, most simple, normal activity of life where you bring faith into it because God says, whatever is not of faith is sin. That is what is for a believer, not the law. Whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you have to bring faith to eating, can you get married without faith? This is the second most important decision you will ever take in your life. You're getting into specifics. If you are surrendered or if you surrender, marriage has to be a marriage of faith. So if faith has to touch your stomach every day, what to eat and what not to eat, when to eat and when not to eat. Why? Because we have given our body as a living sacrifice unto God. You have to hear from God because sometimes God will say, I need, Lord, what? Your stomach, why? I need you to fast today because I am planning something else for you to pray through today. Lord, it's my stomach and it's smelling good. She said, no. So no. Just like the money you put into the offering bag is no longer yours, the body you put on the altar is no longer yours. He tells us to eat or not to eat, what to eat, what not to eat. That's what I said about Lordship. And he's not a mean master. He's a loving father and everything he demands from us, I will tell you, as Jesus said, whatever you gave up for me, he says, hundred times over in the age to come. Hundred times over. Nobody will stand in eternity and say, I gave up and I lost God. You'll say, wow, if I had only known this, I would have given up more. I would have given up more. And this was only for us 80 years. 
90 years, 60 years. That is forever and ever. Understand. So then the Lord scared me with that look. Okay, smile, okay. Psalm 37 verse 5. Next specific. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Two words there. Commit is an act. Trust is an attitude. Commit is an act. Trust is an attitude. And what happens? God will bring it to pass. Commit your future. Marriage. We are talking about specifically about marriage. You can commit anything and everything into God's hands. Absolutely safe. Let me give you the example like, you know, uh, Derek Prince uses, okay? He uses much of these things I learned from him. When I go to heaven. First Jesus, second Paul, third Derek Prince. This is the order in my life. I don't want to see Adam or Abraham and all second because ones who have learned most from, of course, Christ, Paul, Derek Prince. Okay, this is what he says. What does it mean to commit? You go to the bank, you open an account and you put 10,000 rupees. You committed your money into your hands. When you leave the bank, you are not worried whether they will steal your money. You trust the bank. You trust the bank. He says, that's what. You commit your way to the Lord. You committed it. Trust him. And most people trust their banks more than their God. They trust what the government says more than what Christ has said. Trust the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord and trust also him and he shall bring it to pass. He will. He will. He will bring it to pass. He will do it. He will do it. Trust him. Third, Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Whatever state you are in, by the way, okay, we have a church is special. We have single people, we have married people, we have divorced people, we have widows and widowers, all kinds of people are here. So it doesn't matter what you are. Doesn't matter what you are. Okay? God says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. We know these words very well. Now go to First Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify and you completely. May your whole spirit, soul and body body be preserved blameless at the coming of the God is God is very smart okay please understand this <laughs> it's not what you like thinking you always think that God doesn't have brains the way we pray we think we need to repeat to him over and over again he's got a hearing problem sometimes we make it so simple we think he doesn't understand if we speak to him complex language I mean sometimes we wonder we listen to people's prayer you wonder what do they think God is God is very smart just like my wife my wife never asks me for money when we are in public. She says, give me the wallet. <laughs> because in the wallet is the money, the debit card, the credit card, everything. God is, he says, give me your body. 
In the body is your soul and your spirit. He gets your body, he gets you all. If you don't give your body, it doesn't say, Lord, I surrender my soul. God says, wait a second, dude. <laughs> don't try all those high-flown language with me. I don't want your soul first. I want your body first. What's the use with your soul? He's going to pull your soul out of the body and leave you like that? No. Lord, I surrender my soul. I will follow you with my spirit. He says, will your body move? I've been trying to wake you up for the past half an hour. You're surrendering your soul. and Will you put your legs on the on the floor plus? You don't fool God with all these things. So what does he say? Give me your body. Have you given his body? Today? How many of you came on time, before time to church? Don't blame your babies. Any baby can be trained. We have problems training the parents. Put your hands up. Some hands are only going half up. That meaning the one feet was in, one feet was out. <laughs> See, the problem is with the body. The problem is with the body. Problem is with the body. Are you getting it? Why are you late? If God cannot get you to come to church on a regular basis on a Sunday morning. How can you get you to marry the one he chooses? Give me your body. Because if he has your body every day, that's why Romans 12, one will say a living sacrifice every day. Every day. Why does he do that? He knows us. We are not dead. We are not dead. We are living. If you, have you ever tried to put a goat you want to sacrifice alive and well on the altar? It will just jump away. And he knows I know you. I created you. I formed you. I know you very well. You surrender today. Next day you are gone. So I said come back again. I'm good with you. Like I told the pastors, it is not your offering that is holy. It is the altar that is holy. So the altar makes a sacrifice holy. What do you need to do? Keep on offering yourself every day. One day the altar will hit you. You know you are not the same. You are changed. That is what happened to Saul. Zealous for the law, going around, going around, going around. One day Jesus fell on the ground. Lord, what do you want to do? After that the man never changed. He never went back. The altar that made him holy. You have to do it. You never know when it will happen. Never give up. It's like Hannah. Going to Shiloh crying, going to Shiloh crying, going to Shiloh crying, going to Shiloh crying. Nothing is happening. One day she cried from her soul. Place is the same. Altar is the same. Nothing has changed. What has changed is that that day she cried and said, Lord, you touch my womb, the son you give me, a razor shall not touch his head. God said, heard you. The child is holy. The mother is holy. How do you know? Listen to her song, the song of Hannah. It's a warrior song penned by the Holy Spirit. Look to the son she birthed. It's a sanctified boy, a sanctified young man, a sanctified holy man set apart for God. You know why? Because that day the altar did its work. So don't ever give up this. You do it every day by faith. By faith you do it. Every day, as a living sacrifice, I offer Lord. A living sacrifice, I offer Lord. A living sacrifice, offer a Lord. Because I believe what your word says in Matthew 23, 19. It is the altar that sanctifies the gift. Sanctifies the gift. Let me tell this. Romans 12, 2. 
12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is something called the perfect will of God. Let me tell you. Perfect will of God has to be discovered by a renewed mind. As long as your body is not surrendered, God will not renew your mind. That's a, that's a problem with so many people. They have been sitting in church until they have become part of the decoration. But mind is nothing. still the same. Mind hasn't changed. Because when they go out of those sanctified doorways into the corridor, they are just like the world. They talk like the world, they act like the world, they behave like the world. You know why the mind is not being renewed? You know why the mind is not being renewed? Because the body is not being offered. See, like I told you, God is also also a mathematician. Romans 12.1 comes, 2 comes after 12.1. He didn't put, be renewed in your mind. He didn't say, he says, offer your body first. As long as there is no surrender of the body, there is no renewal of the mind. Honestly, you try it. (laughs) Just surrender your body and you will realize, no, suddenly you will see this is a different book. You know how to surrender. Because you are very faithfully surrendering your body before YouTube. And your mind is being renewed by YouTube. What are the other things? What are movie things? Prime video. video. What else is Netflix? You are offering it, surrendering it. It's not that you are not surrendering. You, if you are alive, you are surrendering your body for something. It's not possible not to surrender your body. But if you have not surrendered your body as an act of faith every day to God, He cannot renew your mind. Because your body is your purse. In the purse is the money. And in the purse is your credit card. In the purse is your debit card. If you hold on to your wallet, nobody can use your money. God says, give me your body, I will use your soul. I will renew your spirit. I will speak to your spirit, I will change your soul. Give me your body. Give me your purse. Give me your purse. I can take it forcibly if I want, but I won't. I gave you the free will to choose. It's mine by creation. It's mine by redemption. The earth and the fullness and everything in it belongs to me. Psalm 24, 1. As many as who received him, they were the children of God. By redemption we belong. We are not redeemed by the blood of goats or bulls. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. He owns us twice over. Us twice over. By creation, by redemption. He said, I can take you if you want. But I will not. You have to give it to me. And if you give it to me, you will see suddenly I will speak to you. And I will change your soul. Your spirit will hear my voice. He speaks to our spirit. Our spirit will hear our voice and our soul will get transformed. Our emotions will get transformed. Our will will be set in the direction of God. Our intellect will change. We will see things differently. The three parts of your soul, your intellect, your reasoning ability, and your will and your emotions. Emotions are at the end, not in the beginning. 
Jesus had all three. He heard, he was walking in the world, in the flesh, just like us. But he was hearing very, very clearly. He says, I do not say anything other than what I have heard the Father say. I don't do anything other than what I have seen the Father do. You see, everybody is opposing the will of God in his life. And the Bible says he set his emotions, like set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He brought his intellect, he brought his emotions, he brought his will in one line to serve God. You know why? Because he was a surrendered person. Body was always surrendered. That's the first statement he makes to his mother recorded in the Bible. When he says, son, how could you do this to a 12 years old? He said, mom, didn't you know I was about my father's business? 12 years old. Parents were lost for three days. That's how we have to read it. They thought the son was lost. Imagine the son of God lost. How can he be lost? The whole universe is held together, the power of his word, and they thought he was lost. And they said, son, how could you do this to us? And what does he say? I was at my father's business. Father's business. This is the truth. We are talking specific, but this is general. Specific about marriage. You want to know who you have to marry? Surrender your body to the Lord. Lord, you know what? I am not going to take one step in the direction of marriage until you tell me who it is. I'm not going to look around. I'm not going to do anything with my body about it. You know what? I've surrendered my body to you. You speak to me. You speak to me. First you speak to me. To marry or not to marry is the question. And Paul says in Corinthians, because of the times, I would say, everyone, don't get married. And even if you're married, live like as if you're unmarried because the day of the Lord is so clear, close. That's how Enoch lived. Married with children, Grandchildren, father, grandfather, wife, looked as if he was unmarried because you knew. Looked up the line, nobody interested. Looked down the line, nobody interested. Looked to the side, nobody interested. You know what? He lived like one who was unmarried, walked with God alone, and God took him alone. His father was alive. His grandfather was alive. If I'm right by numbers, his great-grandfather was alive. His son was alive. His wife was alive. Nobody was interested. Because marriage is a mystery. It is about the union of the church with Christ. Two will be in my bed. One will be taken. Who will you go with? Christ or your wife or your husband? It's more than about you and a life on earth. Because the day of the Lord is near. Multitudes, multitudes in the value of decision. And they even have made, surrendered their bodies to the Lord. It's so near. No near. Like I told yesterday and I've told last week to the pastors too. In, you take your dreams in your mind. Let us put projected. Pick a good normal Hindu brother or sister. Put their dreams on. Pick a Buddhist or a Muslim. Their dreams. Will it be different? Or is it the same? Their prayers to their God. Their prayers to their God. Your prayer to your God is exactly the same. What difference is between you and them? How did you become separate? How did you become separate? Outwardly, we don't have to be so separate so much. But inwardly, in the new covenant, we are completely separated. Outwardly for Israel, everything about them was different. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, how you walk, how you observe. Even you're working. When they work seven days, you will not work on the seventh day. 
Even if your harvest is ripe and you have to harvest tomorrow, Saturday, all your tools done. Why? You shall show them you are different. So outwardly you looked at Israel. Israel was different from the rest of humanity. When God looks down on the church, the whole church is a holy, a peculiar people. Peculiar people. Why? Because when he looks into our heart and our minds, our aspirations, our dreams are completely different. Not the same. Absolutely different. It's about the king and the kingdom. And the kingdom is so close. They keep telling you, unless God puts a button on the reset, it's over. And the prophecy is on both sides. One side, God is going to put a reset. The other side, it's over. Like Derek Prince said 10 years ago, two minutes to midnight is how I would put on the calendar, he said. If he said 10 years ago, it's one minute to midnight. Because at the midnight hour, the cry came, the bridegroom came. Ten of them woke up, five wise, five foolish. There was only one difference between the five foolish and the five wise. You know what? It was a flask of oil. Only one difference. The flask of oil. A flask of oil. You know, it is the anointing which you gather over a period of time. I always tell people, the problem is not with the word. The problem is with the Holy Spirit. And at that hour, the midnight came, five realized, you know what? We have no oil. We have no oil. Let us go by. Please give. They said, no. No. You are not giving us. You, the spirit of God that have gathered over time. You, you see, the flask was full. You know why? The five wise, the flask was full. Because they knew John 3.34. He gives the spirit without measure. When it comes to giving his son, he gave his only son totally for mankind. Every drop of his blood. When he gives his spirit to redeem us, he gives his spirit without measure. The problem is, will he take him? That's what surrender is for. We surrender. He he will never run out of his spirit. Ask Alicia, the the widow, whose husband had died and the creditors had come. He said, get empty vessels. The vessels were shut the door. And he says, poor Poor, 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 poor. Every vessel was full. Any more? She said, no, no more. And then the oil stopped. The oil did not stop because supply stopped. The oil stopped because there was no more containers left. That's the problem. And there are people sitting and little children sitting over here. Nobody is too young to be filled with the Spirit because John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Nobody. But the problem is, uh, my soul is a container. It cannot take two substances at the same time. I cannot fill it with the world and fill it with the spirit. The spirit will brook no competition. It's either me or nothing. It will not. It will not. Because the world is in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus says. You are in the world. You are not of it. She told the disciples. You are not of it. We are in the world. We are not going getting out of the world until God takes us. But we do not belong to this world. We don't think like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't dress like the world. There is a difference about us. Then the spirit will fill us. That is all got to do with the body. All this got, got to do with the body. If your body is not surrendered, God cannot renew your mind. If you think like the world, 
How does the Holy Spirit change your mind? Because there is something called the perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. To understand the perfect will of God, do you know how many years it took Abraham, the father of faith, whose steps of faith we walk, says Romans 4.12, the steps he took, delay, called Terah, wail, called Lot, Ishmael, Hagar and Ishmael, then throw Ishmael out. Finally God says, will you take your only son, Isaac, that is birthed of God. That's why I was telling the pastors. There are certain things birthed of God in our lives and after that, that becomes our idol because we think we are safe with it. God birthed it, no? So that is safe. God says, give it to me. And what will I have left? Nothing. That I will decide. Maybe nothing. That's lordship. That's lordship. Take your son. Only son. You know what James says in James 2? His faith was complete. His righteousness was perfected. God says, take your son back. Now I know. You fear me, Abraham. Lordship of God is established in Abraham's life. Now I know. Now I know. So you will be always known forever and ever as what? The father of faith. So for 4,000 years or thousands of years after that, when every righteous Jew who believed by faith in the Passover lamb's blood died, they went to Abraham's bosom. Who comforted them when they came? It was Abraham who comforted them. You know why? Because he had become perfect in his faith. Perfect in his faith. Understand how it works. If I don't put you, that's why the Bible says think on things that are above, not on things that are below, because that should excite you. Excite you. Woo! The day and the hour that is coming, the world that is coming, forever and ever, Lord. What is this compared to that? Paul says momentary afflictions compared to the weight of glory. Did you know glory had weight? John 12, 24. Next step. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. We are looking specifically in terms of marriage generally also. It's a universal principle. Unless you die, you cannot have new life. Be prepared to die. Be prepared to die. Marriage is the death of an old life and the beginning of a new. Do you know why there are so many conflicts in marriages, even in this church? Because you're not willing to die. You want to live. You want to live. You don't want to die. Live to your dreams, your aspirations, your life. Every Saturday we will have a question from some wife somewhere or some husband somewhere. 
But the problem, we have the answers from scripture, but only dead people can hear it in this case. See, the problem is when it comes to marriage, most of the people sitting here have picked their ideas from movies. Hollywood. That's why nobody wants to marry ordinary girls. Everybody wants a hero or a heroine. And they dress and act like heroes, act like heroines. I had a heroine in my house who was going for an exam today. And one of them knocking on the door. Papu, Papu, I said, what do you want? Come in. I want to come in. Why? Looked in the mirror. Papu, how do I look? I said, you are going for an exam, neat exam. Everybody is anxious over there. Nobody is going to look at you. You are perfectly fine. Go. A teenager is a teenager, right? Not in the kingdom of God. A teenager is a teenager. Oh, she is only 18. So was Daniel. He purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself from the king's table. He was a teenager. Don't lower the bar. Don't make excuses. Young people will be young people. And no, teenagers will be teenagers. Children will be children. Who told you? That's the second question God asked Adam. Who told you? Children will be children. Do you know my children? There was a little boy called Samuel. Do you know about that little child? The words he spoke did not fall to the ground. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And the word of the Lord went from Samuel to all from Beersheba to Dan. How old was he? A child. Did he have anybody to look up to who, who, who would mentor him? Look up to nobody. Nobody in the temple. But he had heard the voice of God through his mother. And he said, that's all I need. She's far away. She comes once a year. That's enough. The words of God is. Because the word of God says, when God first spoken to him, he did not know. For God had not spoken to him yet. Yet when it's time to sleep, where does he sleep? He looks for a pillow. He looks for a cushion. He looks for a comfortable place. He goes to sleep very close to the ark of the Lord. This is where the most sanctified place in this entire temple is. You know what? I'm a child, five years, six years old. I will sleep as close to God as I can get. And God spoke to him from there, Samuel, Samuel. So don't say they're just children. Raise the bar for your children. Raise the bar for your teenagers. Because that's what God is looking for. We lower it, we lower it, we lower it. God said, raise it. Raise it. We destroy not just our children's future. We destroy our children's eternity by lowering the bar. Because there is something in the Bible called the perfect will of God. Even if you have wasted like Abraham years and years in Haran, you can still fulfill it. Please remember, you are not dealing with a school principal or a judge in a criminal court. You are dealing with your father who wants you to succeed. That's the difference. Who wants you to succeed. Don't lower the bar. Unless you die. If you don't die to the world, you will never be alive in the kingdom. You will be a dead man walking. You don't feel anything. If you don't die to the world. How problem? In marriages, that's the problem. The man doesn't come and die. He lives. I am the head. It is written. That's the only scripture most men know. They don't know it also clearly exactly. If you ask them where is it written, they don't know. They have heard it somewhere. I am the head. 
the wife will say you are the head i am the neck you turn around as i tell you finished god each one is trying to live their own life nobody dies but this is the principle a seed unless it falls to the ground and dies god's life cannot come in there the man comes and dies the woman comes and dies the death of the man and the woman is proclaimed in the wedding ceremony who gives away this woman given away i do says the father is given away forever given away girl comes in the arm of her father goes away in the arm of another man never to look back dead both parents are there they take care of them but they know life has changed forever that's how you should go when you come to christ you die so that he can start your new life with him a man who says according to the law blameless blameless according to the law that is Saul of Tarsus when he meets Christ he realizes i don't know one thing to do what should i do i thought you know what to do right i don't know what should i do because it's a new life i knew what was to do according to the law but that is dead i'm dead to the law the law is dead to me what should i do i will tell you i will tell you it's a new life Marriage is a new life. It's not an old life. It's a completely new life. But it is not possible. Only one person dies and one person lives. And many marriages, one person is dead. The burden is on the person who is dead. And if they are not actively, constantly connected with God, they will break under that burden. They are discouraged, desperate, trying always, trying to hold the marriage together. Shouldn't be. Both people should be dead. to hearing that nobody wants to get married now some married people want to divorce also <laughs> no that's not the point the point is that the resurrection life jesus brings you need to realize god doesn't take away to make us miserable when god takes away good it's to give us better when he takes away better it's to give us best but we will not understand best until our mind is renewed you ask both of us would we ever if god gave a chance go back to our old careers never 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 you cannot get a better employer than god who doesn't pressurize you who always gives you the freedom to choose every day and the rewards are unbelievable eternal no salary no pension no insurance nothing that's what it told the levites nothing i am your portion i am your inheritance that's true for the new covenant i am your portion i am your inheritance if you don't die to the world the kingdom won't come alive and husband and wife right now decide before you get married you know what when i get into my marriage i die and the girl says when i get into the marriage I die. I'm not going there to live. I'm going there to die, so that he can live. 
I'm going there to die so that she can love. God says, you know what? I'm comfortable in that house. Both dead, I shall love. The three-strand cord. Very difficult to break. Christ is alive in that house. That's what God is talking about. Genesis 24, 58. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? Hello? Rebecca, have you seen the man? No. Have you seen his house? No. Have you seen his country? No. After you go, can you come for a visit? No. Will you go with this man? Yes. She's dead. The minute she said yes, she's dead. She's dead. She died to her old life. She's finished with Haran. No more delay. She's finished. She will never look back. Never go back. Never ever see her family again. She has not forgotten her family. Years later when Jacob wants to get married, our Jacob's issue with the family and says, go to my brother. Go there. She has not never forgotten her family. But she's dead to them when it comes to the purposes of God. Will you go? Yes. Laban and the father. The brother is the head there, not the father. Because if you look in the order, it says Laban and Bethuel. Not Bethuel and Laban. You know what he says? Oh, she's going. Let us have seven days of feasting. Eliezer says, let me go. My master has been waiting for 40 years for this girl. Now that the girl has been found, why delay? He waited 40 years for this girl. Now you are saying delay for seven days. You see, once you have found your God-appointed spouse, even one day's delay is delay. One day's delay is delay. The Spirit of God will say, go get married. Lord, I waited for 40 days, seven. Go get married. You found your girl. You found your boy. Go get married. She says, I will go. Next day, gone. Bye-bye. Gone. She died. She died. That's what marriage is. That's what Christ is talking about. What if you are single? And God says, you don't get married. What if you are single? Do you want to see a single man's marriage? First Corinthians 15, 31. I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. This is a man married to Christ. Dies daily. Wakes up. He will sing the song which we learned from him later. Bye bye world. I am alive to Christ. Dead to the world. That's how he lived. Died daily. World, you have nothing. Law, you have nothing. On me. I am dead to the law. Dead to the world. Alive unto Christ. I live for Christ alone. The life that I live, I live by faith of the Son of God. Not I live, but Christ lives in me. How can Christ live in you, Paul? Because I am dead. If you are not dead, Christ cannot live. If you are alive, Christ is dead. I die daily. Married to Christ. What a man, right? I die, die daily. So when you are getting, getting married, put away your dreams. Put away all those away. Say, you know what? I'm getting married as a dead man, as a dead woman. God is going to give a new life. New life. It is not my way or your way. It is his way. And his way is always good. It's always good. 
Next point. Luke 14, 28 to 30. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it, begin to mock him. Say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Before you get married, ask yourself, do you have it in you to finish it? Did you count the cost? So many young people, when they get married, they don't count the cost. It's all romance and emotions and sex and all. After that, when the children come, they are not interested. Did you count the cost? That's the letters we get. The women also did not count the cost. Because all the ideas of marriage and everything, everything came from the world, did not come from the kingdom. That marriage is a sacrifice. Raising up a home is a sacrifice. They did not count the cost. So you look all around the world, you have uncompleted homes. Did you count the cost? I put my hand on this plow. I am not looking back. I am in this all the way. I am willing to pay the price. I will hang in there. Whatever happens, I will hang in there. I will not be the one to leave. I will be the one to stay. And when children come, they are always a blessing, not a burden. You know what the word inheritance means? My father left me something. That's my inheritance. He left me land and a house. It's my inheritance, which my father left me. Do you know what the Bible says? Children are a... What you get from God on earth is your children. And children have become a burden or a blessing. Did you count the cost? Did you count the cost? Or you just thought it is all, you know, I can always, because we live in the age of outsourcing. Everything can be outsourced. God says, not my children, not my marriage cannot be outsourced. Marriage cannot be outsourced. The children cannot be outsourced. The home cannot be outsourced. Because the whole thing gets its name from God, who is the father. The home gets its name from God because he's a family man. No outsourcing, sorry. That's what the Bible is talking about. Did you count the cost? Did you think it through? Did you think it through? Five new babies in the church. Four plus were Devi and Deepak too. In so many ways, they came for more prayer than most mothers do. Every day for prayer. So we consider that baby also. Our baby. Sixth one is on the way. Still waiting for the news. Are they a burden? And one lucky couple had twins. Are they a burden? Are they a blessing? Are they a curse or a reward? Reward. Bible says reward. Blessed is the man whose cure is full of them. Most people have one, one and a half now. Two, two enemies come, they don't have enough arrows in the cure. One arrow is gone, finished. Now enemies is at the gate. Ayo, my cure is empty. Why? Government told me. (laughs) 
I'm not saying you should not plan your marriage, plan your children. I'm not saying it. I'm talking about your attitude to family. That's what upsets me. Attitude to family. God did not send his son to change the world. He sent his son to create a family. That is the ultimate purpose of redemption. There will be a family forever and ever where God is the father. And Christ is the son. And the church is the wife. A family. Right at the top of God's priority. Not your career. Not the money you make. Not the house you make. Every house is not a home. You can have the biggest house in the world and it cannot be a home. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob lived in tents. They were homes. They did not have a house because God told them not to build a house. Lot had a house in Sodom. It was not a home. Did you count the cost? Did you think it through? That's what God is talking about. Young people start right, start well. Because the emotions will change. Another Sunday we will look at that. There are three covenants on earth. The old covenant, the new covenant, the marriage covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. In a contract, people look for gain. And where there is no gain, the contract is dissolved. In a covenant, you look to lose. Is your marriage a contract or your marriage a covenant? In a covery covenant is established by only by sacrifice. Is your marriage a contract or is your marriage a covenant? Are you looking for gain or are you looking for loss? That's a question God is asking. Get it right. This is not Hollywood, Bollywood talk. This is Bible talk. Serious. Because the most attacked institution on planet earth is the marriage. When men go wonky and live and abandon their homes like you have in US, millions and millions of single mothers bringing up children or women go wonky and look for a career in the world, abandon their home and their children, both parties are guilty. Did you count the cost? Ask any child from a broken home. What do you want? One room with both the parents. That's all we ask for. We don't want any of these things. One room with both the parents. We would be happy. They understood. See, we did not count the cost. So they pay the price. Take it seriously before you even think about getting married. Because it's very, very serious for God. Very serious for God. It's not an emotional thing. It's a very serious thing. Like I said, it's a covenant. And God made his covenant with Abraham. How will I know this? God said, okay, we will do it your way. We'll have a covenant. Bring, bring this, the heifer, the goat, everything. Cut it into two pieces. Put those two pieces on sides. A pool of blood flowing. And he says... Walk. That's what Jeremiah says. Covenants were made. Two parties who made a covenant, not a contract, held hands and walked through the blood saying that if either of us break this covenant, our condition should be like this animal. Death. That is marriage. God said, a covenant of sacrifice. 
Anyone who breaks that covenant and breaks the home, God says, should be dead in my eyes. Dead in my eyes. Because it's a covenant. It's not a contract. So do you take it so seriously? In the kingdom of God? Because the king takes it seriously. Isaac waited 40 years. The king has waited 2,000 years. The moment the spirit says, I have found her, the father will say, no more delay. No more delay. The minute the spirit of God sends the message from here, dad, I found the bride for your son. The father says, blow the trumpet. Let her come. No more delay. Leave the rest to their fate has written. My bride, my girl will come home. And you ask that church, like Rebecca, will you go with this man? And she will say, I will. Why? Because all those years, what was her cry of her heart? Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Not because she had trouble in her life, but because she was waiting for him. The church in Corinth had no trouble. Yet the cry of Paul to the church is, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And if anybody does not have that cry, let him be cursed. Let that girl be cursed who says, my husband is ready. He's waiting near the altar. But I want to spend seven more days in the world. Let her be cursed. That's exactly what it means. That's what marriage is. That's how seriously God takes it. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. In the world, the marriage becomes a contract. Modern marriages, they have a contract written out. No liability clause in marriage in the Western Christian world. No liability. We are getting married, but we will have a contract that at some point in life, if you leave to divorce, no liability. You won't ask anything from me, I will ask nothing from you. No liability contract before a covenant. What covenant is that? It's become that. That's what God is saying. One more thing and I will stop for today. For all those who are young or otherwise looking for the right mate. Let it not be checkmate. Let it be the right mate. 1 John 1.7 If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Mark two words there in today's context. Walk and fellowship. Second, Second Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lust. Flee, one. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. First Corinthians 15.33 do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habit. What's the message God is saying? Be careful the fellowship you take. Because ultimately you will pick your partner from the company you keep. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful when you are young. 
the company you you know why many of you are looking in your mind you have got a picture in your mind and often the picture has got nothing to do with the word of god because of the company you keep either your friends and the circle of friends or what you watch that has framed your thinking be careful about who you walk with what you walk with and the fellowship you keep because ultimately you will pick a partner according to that do you know how elias had found rebecca evening time he came outside the city by the well he knelt with the camels and he cried out to the lord my master abraham and my lord isaac lord the first woman who comes from the women of the city i will ask her this would you please give me some water and she will say yes my lord and water me and say i will water your camels too that was his only prayer and the bible says the first one to come is rebecca alone even in haran in a parched place never have stepped a step into the promised land she kept herself alone because there was no company she could keep in haran therefore when god picked a girl for his boy isaac he picked her if you have no right company stay alone nobody will fellowship with you the spirit of god will fellowship with you don't be so desperate be alone be alone she was alone she didn't come with a company of girls she came alone what if she had come with a company of girls elias also would have been confused which one is this because he's a man anyway she came alone you know the first letter words written about her in scripture she was beautiful and no man had lain with her first thing written about she had kept herself away from the ways of the world pure meek and a gentle mind spirit which is beautiful in god's sight spiritual application and when he said will you water she said yes my lord and do you know what it says she hasted no delay you are the granddaughter of terah living in a past place but there is swiftness in your feet to serve somebody you do not even know she made haste the spirit of god is always watching for those who redeem the time because the days are evil walking like that where will you have time guard your loins get ready to leave egypt is a call to israel guard your loins make haste in haste eat the passover lamb because you're getting ready to leave is there any haste speed in your life for the things of god there was for rebecca speed we have speed for the things of the world we will reach for a movie half an hour so that we don't miss the ticket no speed for the things of god and expect still expect to be the bride of christ that fellowship do we keep 
If you don't have the right fellowship, choose to stay alone. Two years, I was in another country with the underground church, but I had to teach in a college. All the staff were from India, except for a few local ones who taught the local language. All staff. Saturdays, Sundays must be time for them. Consistently for two years, every week I told them, I'm not here for you. And you will not get me. You need any help with the academics? I'm here to help any one of you. If you are sick, if you have to take leave, let me know. I will take your class too. But after that, you don't get me. I did not come for you. You can check with them. Not one single day did I spend with them. Every single evening, I spent my time with the underground church. Simple, illiterate people. But they were God's people. The rest were from my own country, my own language, and they made my own food. I never ate in their houses. You know why? Because you choose your company. Because you know your purpose. Most beautiful land on the earth. But once did I go sightseeing. Or a picnic. I didn't. You turn to the left, you turn to the right, all you want to do is picnic because the land is beautiful like Switzerland. I never went because I did not come as a tourist. I came on purpose. There's no time to waste. As soon as my work is over, I pack up and go. Two years, slept on the floor, cooked by myself. Never ate from outside because I could not afford to fall ill because I'm on mission. Sent, not went. Serious. Yet there was not a day, morning or evening, when I didn't call and talk to my family. And when the telephone bill those days came into the office, it was like a newspaper. And all of them looked at my telephone bill and said, Sir, This is your telephone bill, half your salary. I said, I did not come to make money. My God, my home, I have no other interest in life. And in heaven, you have your God and your home, nothing else. If that is so in heaven, so it shall be on earth. I could go because a godly Assamese girl who was my maid came home. And she took care of my family and never asked for a salary raise, never asked for clothes, hardly ate anything. And one day I asked her, child, why are you like this? She said, Dada, many years ago, a missionary came to my little village and he said, in heaven, these things have no meaning. Then I realized if I'm going to live in heaven, I will live on earth just like as in heaven. And I said, wow, child, I've been trying to preach to the church for years. Finally, I got a person who knew it without me preaching it to her. You think God doesn't have his children in places you and I do not even know of? No access to TV, YouTube, no telephone bill, no telephone, no internet. You would be shocked on the day of rapture to see who are taken. That's why God says the last shall be the first and the first shall be the last. Be careful. Because marriage is not about you and your life on earth. It's a mystery. It's a covenant. It's about Christ and the church. 
So even if you're in an unhappy marriage, you can still learn and die to yourself and become the bride of Christ. Even if your husband didn't appreciate you or your wife did not appreciate you, your Christ will appreciate you. You can. You can. So we are talking about the kingdom here. The bachelor is telling us, the bachelor called Mr. Paul is telling us, I do not understand this. It's a mystery. But I'm not talking about a man and a wife. I'm talking about Christ and the church. He says, I understand that very well. You ask me about a wife, I don't know. You ask me about Christ, I know. Live with understanding with your wife is the command given to men by Peter. In 1 Peter 3, 7. If you cannot live with your understanding with your wife because she doesn't want you to understand her, at least understand Christ. If you cannot live with understanding with your husband, at least understand Christ. Let not this man boast. He has this, this, this. If he boasts, let him boast. I know God. That's the only knowledge that will matter in heaven. <laughs> Your physics, chemistry, economics, management will be worth nothing. The only thing that will matter in heaven is do you know God? Do you know God? So even as you study and graduate and acquire degrees in all these other things, know God. Peter's final words, grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God. Choose your company. Very carefully. Very carefully choose your company. Because if you run with the wrong company, you will end up with the wrong person. Choose your company. As I close, last two verses. Second Samuel chapter 13, 1 to 3. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Half-sister, okay? Amnon was so distressed over his sister, Tamar, that he became sick for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. It would have stopped there. Verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemiah, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man. Who led you to sin? Your friends you chose. Who made you drink? Your friends you chose. Who got into your drugs? Your friends you chose. The history of David's family would have been different if this guy was not his friend. Ruined David's home. Because one man was a crafty man who said, this is what you do. Your friends matter, children. Your friends matter. Your friends matter, young people. Your friends matter. That's what I said, show me your friends. I will tell you who you are. Now of all the Psalms in the Bible, you know how the book of Psalms begins. It begins with, with this verse. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Is the ungodly your friend? Is their counsel you are listening to? Who not stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This is how the book of Psalms begins. If you don't keep one, the rest of the Psalms don't mean anything. It's just acquired knowledge. It's not life. Choose your friends. Blessed is the man. Like I said, if you have nobody like Joseph, walk alone. Walk alone. Let us not marry. Let the names they call you be a title in God's kingdom. Let them call you names. Loner. Fine. 
He doesn't mingle with anybody. Are you really that? No. You need help? I'm there. To do your things, I'm not there. What did Mrs. Potiphar call David? Sorry, Joseph. That Hebrew. You brought Hebrew. Man who crossed the river, who never looks back. That's what Hebrew means. In prison. When finally the butler remembers the dream, what does he say? There was a Hebrew. 21 years later, Prime Minister of Israel, sorry, Egypt, 21 years later, when his brothers find him and they don't know it is his brother, where is he? Sitting alone as Prince of Egypt, eating alone as Hebrew. I will never forget who I am. Called to walk alone if there is no right company. I will walk alone and God will walk with me. 13 years as a slave and a prisoner. 21 years as prime minister. How many years? Math. 34 years still sitting alone. And then finally his brothers comes. He reveals himself. Hugs and weeps. Now I can talk to you. Hebrew to Hebrew. 35 years walked alone. Why? There is no right company. I'll walk alone. I told you, primary purpose of God's creation of man is fellowship. And who you fellowship with matters. If you walk in the light, even as he is light, you shall have fellowship with one another. Don't forget the purpose of marriage. Fellowship. Don't forget the purpose of redemption. Fellowship with God. Amen. Let's rise. Don't look so glum. He's coming soon. Now, that's now the question in everybody's mind is, whom shall I marry? If I search my laptop, maybe in my email, I will still find around 25, no, 30 years ago. Her sister wrote me a letter giving 36 characteristics of the man she wants to marry. I said, the only man like that was Jesus. He never got married. And as far as I know, and I'm right, she's still a spinster in her 50s. So don't add things which God did not add. Because God will have to create a new man to get you married to you. Okay? So don't raise the bar above God's bar. Don't lower it below what God has. Because you are all young. You have heard much. All it takes, let me tell you, is to every day hit the floor. One day, the altar will sanctify you. And you will rise up like Paul. Maybe blind, but blind to the world. Seeing to God. Blind to the world. I, I do not see anything in this world attractive because my eyes have seen the glories of my Lord. What is this world in comparison to him? Let him open our eyes so that we see what life is really about. For this is eternal life that you know God and his son Jesus Christ. That is life. That's what all men say. Bacha, this is life. Let me tell you Macha, what is life. It's knowing God. Knowing God, 
that is life so don't think we are upset or miserable we are very happy david asked me this question yesterday pj how can you stay in your office like this day after day week after week month after month year after year absolutely not bored macha it is life <laughs> it is life shall we pray father we love you and you love us we didn't love you first but you loved us first and we love you lord we just love you love you love you lord with what little we know we are telling these words one day in eternity we'll have no words to describe what we feel about you we never knew that day we will say we never knew you were so good so great so awesome Oh father as Paul prayed we pray open the eyes of our understanding give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know your hope your calling of the saints what we are in Christ and what Christ is in us open our eyes so oh lord that this entire world will pale into insignificance truly lord those who have seen you said you are the fairest of 10000 to my soul the lily of the valley only the soul can see that the flesh can never appreciate you but the soul the renewed soul the soul the soul of man that has been renewed by the holy spirit only can see the beauty of christ oh open our eyes open our eyes one instant our eyes open as elisha prayed to you the world will lose its meaning for us more than any preaching of any preacher one minute you open our eyes and we behold your glory and your goodness and your beauty we won't need any more sermons open our eyes is our prayer and i pray father you know the hearts of everyone who is standing and you know who all have surrendered receive that sacrifice let the altar sanctify them and we may we be yours now and forever no competition in our hearts no competition in our minds you you alone cut about holy set apart in our hearts and our minds that's all i pray father the rest you will do thank you father thank you go with us go before us i speak healing into every sick body peace into every restless soul and rest into every spirit thank you thank you lord for in jesus name we pray amen, amen. the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen amen amen